Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm here every week, and I'm so glad that you're here this week. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. I want to thank our sponsor for today's show, and that is Restore Women's Conference. Anyone feel like they just need to get away for a weekend to get refreshed? If you're feeling that way, the Restore Women's Conference might be the place for you. Invite your girlfriends, your sisters, your mom to join the Restore Women's Conference for a time of fellowship, learning, and laughter. Or guys, be brave and just go on your own and connect with like-minded women seeking to renew their joy in the Lord. This conference is happening next spring, so you have time to plan. It's happening March 3rd through 5th in Orange County, California, which doesn't that sound dreamy right now? Restore is a weekend conference designed for women to experience God's grace and rest in an authentic and uplifting environment. Your conference admission includes an unforgettable speaker lineup, which includes Allison Allen, Allie Worthington, and me. I will be there, which I'm so excited about. Worship, Bible journaling, holy yoga, three meals, swag bags, and access to their handmade market and mocktail social event. Girls, make sure to get your ticket before they're gone at RestoreWomen'sConference.com. And we have a promo code just for you listeners of the happy hour. Use happy hour to receive $50 off of your admission. Again, that's RestoreWomen'sConference.com. I'll have that in the show notes for you if you need it. Guys, today my guest is Krista Black Gifford. Krista is an author, a podcaster, songwriter, which we talk about one of the songs in here that she wrote that you probably love and sing all the time. Musician, mom, teacher. She is just, I got her hand in all kinds of stuff and you're going to love our conversation. I met Krista a couple of years ago at a gathering for leaders and she prayed over me and I have never forgotten that moment. And so she's just a really sweet girl. I just want to let you all know that we talk about some sexual topics in this podcast. So if you've got little ears, you might want to listen another time or just have a lot of conversation to talk about if y'all listen to it anyways. Guys, before we get to my interview, I want to ask you a favor. If you're loving the show, what I would love from you is if you haven't subscribed in iTunes, for you to go ahead and do that. What this does for you is that every week when I release a new show on Wednesday mornings and every other Friday for the happy half hour, they automatically show up in your podcast player. It's super easy. You don't have to do anything but go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes and just hit subscribe. And then you get to hear the show every single week. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Krista. Hey, Krista, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much, Jamie. I am so happy to have you here today. And I noticed on your Instagram that you sent your son to pre-K yesterday. I did. Is this his first experience with school? Well, he's been, he went to like a Mother's Day out pre-K program for half the year last year. So he's the oldest in the class now, and he has the same teachers, and he feels like he's kind of the stud. So he's like, I got this mom. Oh, he's totally like the teacher's aide. Yeah, and he's huge. So my brother's 6'5". I'm like almost six feet tall, so he's a giant. So he's like, I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have – does this like every day kind of pre-K? It's two days a week, and then I, I just enrolled him at another place – called the Academy of GOD and they do global outreach development. So they're kind of missions focused. So he was there for the first time this morning. So it's been a whirlwind. Wait, it's a being... pre-K that focuses on global outreach. Yes. Oh, they have what? missionaries. It's so cool. They've got two intern houses of men and women that are 
that are going through this training to learn how to have businesses to support their missions. And then the school helps fund global missions all over the country or all over the world. And then they've got, you know, they've got like a local garden that they feed their local community. It's really cool. That's so amazing. we started that two days a week. Yeah. <laughs> That's really amazing. Okay. And you're moving. And I'm moving. And Yay. you're like 26, oh, yeah. 27 weeks pregnant. Yeah. I mean, probably by the fourth, you kind of lose count of the you're week. Like, you're I like, don't What's know. My name? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, you know, your first pregnancy, you knew how big the baby was at all oh, times. Yeah. All times. I was like, this week it's a cauliflower. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. This is. <laughs> fourth pregnancy you're like I don't even know I'll just just tell me when it's I'm time just yep just I'll just when I get bigger I'll gauge it by how t- tight my jeans are getting and oh there you go gosh. okay <laughs> so speaking of fourth pregnancy tell everyone about your family real quick while we're getting into this conversation well my husband Lucas is just the greatest rock star that I've ever met he's so amazing and we're more in love at almost I guess we've been together for 10 years married for a little over nine and he's a life coach and I hire him because he's so good at getting into your heart and bringing clarity. I'm mm-hmm. sometimes everything gets jumbled for me. So I'm like, babe, can I have a session with you? Because <laughs> I need a little internal clarity. And then, um, we have beautiful children. Moses gray Lionheart is, um, four and he's the one who's at pre-K. And then I've got a sweet baby girl in heaven named Luca Gold or Goldie, and I cannot wait to hang out with her someday. And she would be two. And then I've got Birdie James at home who just started walking, and she's 14 months. And then um, Luca Joy will come in November. And so I'm going to have babies that are 17 months apart. That <laughs> That's fun. Is going to be so much fun. Going to be an adventure. I oh, know. Oh, my gracious. <laughs> so Luca Joy, I love it. I don't think I, I saw that you announced it, but I don't think I ever had a chance to see what it was. And so love yeah. that. When we found out it was a girl, Luke just started crying. He said, babe, I, I promised if it was a girl, I'd ask, can we just name her after her s- sister in heaven? Mm-hmm. And so we named her Luca. And then Moses, my son, ran up to me before we knew gender. And he goes, mommy, I've been talking to Jesus this morning. And he told me the baby in your belly is a girl and her name is Joy. And I said, well, buddy, did you know that's my middle name? He goes, no, that's her middle name. And so we're like, all right, kid, Luca Joy. There, there we go. was. How there you cannot is. deny that. It's from <laughs> the mouth of babe that was talking to Jesus. So you cannot yes. let that go. Yeah. Oh, and so where are you guys moving cities or houses? No, we're, move, we're moving three streets over. Oh, okay. Which, lovely. Is awesome. We're moving. It's funny when we lived in East Nashville when we were broke and on the ramen noodle budget renting yeah. seven years, no, nine years ago. We would always pass this street and this corner and be like, oh my gosh, our dream is to someday live on this street and right here. And we were looking for a house and nothing was in our budget. I could find nothing. East Nashville is one of the hottest neighborhoods yes. in the country right now. And so God, I got with Holy Spirit one day. I was like, what's the deal? Like, I know we're supposed to be in this neighborhood. And he said, well, the problem is, Christy, you're looking in your budget and you're not looking in my budget. And I said, well, Jesus, what's your budget for me? (laughs) What does this look like? So a long story, but huge string of events. We just ran into somebody. He set us up with this lady. This lady is 
from God. She is, we can't even get approved for this house, um, financially. And she's like, you know what? I just really like you guys and just feel like I was supposed to hang on for the right people. And, you know, I'll just own her finance, like the, what you can't afford. And, and, you know, I'll just, let's get put a new air conditioner. in. I, I, I called somebody out, you're pregnant. So let's just get all the duck work done. I mean, it's insane oh. how much God's economy is so much bigger really Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above when I step back and I stop trying to figure it out logically. And I went, well, what do you have? And what's your plan for us? And it's insane. It's my favorite neighborhood. And it's literally on the corner that Luke and I were like, someday. One day. (laughs) So you're in East Nashville. Yeah. We're in East Nashville. We've been in Austin for eight years. But before that, we lived in Murfreesboro, which is outside of Nashville. And we used to go eat at the Mexican restaurant in East Nashville. Rose peppers. Yes. Yes. And, oh, yes. But that was, you know, a long time ago. And, you know, 12 years ago. And that was the ago. only place over there. And it was it was kind of dangerous. Yes, because Aaron yeah. kept wanting to move me over there. And I was like, uh, no, yeah. I am not moving over there. And it was now, so dangerous. Like, yes. I was now it's like the hot spot. Yeah, I was there last <laughs> fall uh, at a conference and went over to East Nashville and just thought, what happened? What has happened? It's so artistic. It's so beautiful. There's beautiful coffee shops and farm to table restaurants and chefs who've moved in from New York and LA. And I mean, the restaurants here are rivaling the best restaurants that I've eaten at at the world in the world. It's amazing. I ate at fifth and Taylor. Yeah. 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 In Germantown. Yeah. It's it's all good over in, you know, Germantown East. It's happening. It's a happening joint. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Okay. So Krista, you're in East Nashville with your family and pregnant and making babies and writing books. And are you still writing songs? You know what? I just got asked. I just got texted yesterday and said, Hey, can you co-write with somebody for the new Shaq movie? I thought, well, which Shaq basketball player? No, no, no. Like the shack, you know, the book, oh, the, shack? the shack. I thought you said shack, <laughs> like the Orlando magic, you know, seven foot tall. Okay. I'm I would have said no for basketball <laughs> songwriting. Yeah. Okay. The shack. Yes, I'm with you. The shack, the movie. Yeah. There's a movie coming out. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's coming out. I'm so excited about it. Paul Young, who wrote that mm-hmm. book is a he's like family to us. He's one of my spiritual dads. And so I was like, yes, I will write for that. So writing for me these days as a mom who works full time and I would travel, I write in my car or in the shower or in the bathroom. That's the only time I have. So I just, yeah, I just go, well, what's a melody and what's in my heart. And that's how I write. And then I just go to the guitar later on and figure out if it made sense. You have a lot going on. (laughs) <laughs> I have a lot going on. I love it. <laughs> and you're just yes. like so matter of fact, like, well, I'm doing this and then this and this. And I love it. Yes. Um, so you just, you released a book this year called Heart Made Whole. And yeah. um, uh, what you said that Goldie passed, she would be two now? She'd be two. She was born March 5th in 2014. Yeah. Was that the catalyst for this journey? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, because my listeners may not know what journey you actually went on. And so will you take us back uh, yeah. to March um, of that year and let us know kind of what happened? Yeah. Let me back up three months. So January, my husband and I, we were living in LA and I was in full-time ministry and our lives were falling apart. Our marriage was falling apart 
And I was just so, we were so frustrated that a lot of the wounds that we had brought into our marriage, um, we weren't able, we weren't equipped well to be able to work those out. And so, you know, we knew if we don't take drastic measures, like we can have, we can put money into a house and to a, a car that's going to depreciate, but let's put it into the most important place on the planet. Let's invest into us. Let's invest into our heart because this thing internally determines the course of our life. And so we put our stuff in storage and we moved back where I'm from into Texas, Abilene, Texas. And my mom's a therapist and, um, she does this inner healing thing called heart sync. So we moved back to get just detox, deep inner healing. Like let's that, get, yeah. I just think that's like knowing the whole story because I've heard you talk about it before and we've chatted on another yeah. podcast. I just cannot ever get past the fact that God was so preparing you guys. Oh my gosh. For, I, I mean, that gives me the chills, ugh. this part of the story, because it's, I love when we get to look back and see like, yes. man, God, you really are always with us. Always. And, and prepare, I mean, I, I guarantee you, I can say with all certainty, if we had not done that, we'd stayed in LA. We'd be like, no, let's just plow through this. Let's figure it out. And not done that. I I think her death would have completely resulted in divorce. It would have been divorce. the end of y'all. Yeah. It would have been the end of Like us, you couldn't have sure. sustained. You were so no. far. Yeah, we were so far gone and so dis, just, we were so separated anyway internally from one another that that would have been the straw that broke the camel's back. They say, I hear and a lot so, of times they say that Huge traumatic events like that in marriages sometimes oh, yeah. are the the couple can't withstand it. They can't. I mean, it's just it. The fire of death of losing a child is so hot. You've got to be on the same team, otherwise it'll destroy both mm. of you. So you moved so to Abilene. We moved to Abilene and we started just going for it. And what I love about this, you know, people get really frustrated. We're in a microwavable society and we want to be put in the microwave and go to one conference or, you know, just a few sessions of counseling or one serve a church service and why am I not healed? You know, mm-hmm. but really if you are intentional about your healing process and about your connection to love, it really, it's not that you ever arrive at a point where I'm like, I'm perfect, you know, but you get to a point where you have the internal tools that you need to cope with any circumstance. I mean, so, so when we moved, I started having these massive encounters. I, my whole life, I've been a Christian, a preacher's kid, but and Jesus was a theology, and he was very cerebral to me, but I was really angry at him, really. And, you know, you don't tell him those things. Like because you of your marriage falling apart? Well, yeah, that and my sexual abuse as a kid. And, mm-hmm. and, and everything I was, was coming up. Everything. Like yeah. I thought, you know— for those of you who are single, marriage does not fix, fix your issues. It eliminates them. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, oh, all of my sexual dysfunction that I've had my whole life, marriage will fix it. No, my body completely shut down on my wedding night, completely. Mm. Where I went, and this is a very common story, where women go from like, yes, let's go. I'm so excited to, oh my gosh, it's legal. It's holy. It's yes. And I have, and, and I'm numb. Yeah. I'm totally numb. And so I was so angry at him. I'm like, I just don't know how to get free from this. And there's nobody who can help me, it seems. And, you know, you promised me all these things in your word, but like, what are they suggestions? So my inner healing was so beautiful in those months prior to her death, because I would scream at Jesus. I would, I mean, 
I got honest. I was like, I hate you. I actually hate you for not protecting me. And, and where I thought he would be really like, oh, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm stricken with boils and I, <laughs> you know, like I'm, he went finally, I mean, I've always known that you felt that way. So now we can at least with your honesty and your willingness to tell me how you feel now we can actually move forward in our relationship because we can have an honest conversation. You've just been putting me on the other side of the wall where you've just been cutting me out. Mm. So it was in that time where I got really honest and then realized and started having these encounters with him. So when Goldie died on March 5th, it was so crazy because I remember handing her body off to Lucas. She just died and sitting there, the room was spinning. I'm like, this is so surreal. And for the first time in my life, Instead of going through a trial and putting God on trial, I went, you are my only source out of this. You're my only hope. If I don't keep you close, Mm -hmm. I will die. And I ran towards the comforter like I had never. I'm like, I got to have you. I got to have you. I got to have you. And in that time, it was so beautiful because I was shattered, but I stayed connected to love. I was angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would get so angry that she was dead. And I was thinking, I was meditating on that verse, in your anger, do not sin, yesterday. And I was like, you know what? Sin, he, in the Hebraic um, mindset was to miss or forgetfulness. It's an archery term. It's you mm-hmm. miss the mark. You miss that mark of connection. So in your anger, don't sin just means in your anger, don't disconnect from love. So as long as I was connected to Jesus going, I'm so angry. He's like, all right, we're better to be angry than let love absorb it. Punch me. I can take it. And so I was, I had permission in my grieving process. As long as I kept my heart open on and connected to love, I could have every emotion in the book. Fear. Here's my fear. Of course I was fearful. I just lost a child. Mm-hmm. And I would go, I am fearful. You go, great. Come here, connect it to me, absorb it into me. And I would just, here comes the emotion. Let's go plug it into connection with intimacy. Mm. Now this was, I mean, you guys two months earlier had just said, we need help. There's something's not going to, we're going to just dissolve here, this marriage, if we don't get some help. Yeah. We move back in. Two months later, you go through the, one of the most traumatic events you'll ever experience in your life. Yeah. What did your marriage look like on that day? So what was crazy, so Luke and I process very differently, as most people do. I'm I'm very emotional. I'm very, okay, here's my emotion. And I would go get with Jesus and scream. And, you know, I was so angry and, and he processed very differently. He's an internal person and he went internal with himself and kind of shut down for a little bit. And it was, there was grace for it. It's Mm -hmm. what he needed to do for that season. And the crazy thing was what I was learning was I, if I would look at him and I'd be like, why aren't you, why are you shutting down? Why? Mm-hmm. And then I'd, I'd get with Holy Spirit. I'd be like, why is he shutting down? And I would have this massive revelation. You can't give him grace because you don't have grace for you. So I go, okay, well, it's not about him. It's about me. Well, I just give you so much grace for your process, Krista, and all the times that you screwed up and, you know, you run to, run to whiskey at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. and you wanted to binge on food. You wanted every old escape in the book and I would give grace to myself. And then all of a sudden I had grace for his process. Mm-hmm. So it was beautiful because we learned to give ourselves the thing, judgment is great. I love, I mean, I, I've been the king of, queen of judges. I 
as a Christian, judged everybody. And it was because I'd so severely judged myself. You know, Mm. you can only give away what it is that you have internally. So every time I move into judgment for somebody or that ministry is doing it that way, or she's doing it that way or whatever, it's such a great moment for me because I'm able to go, oh my gosh, if judgment, if that nastiness is coming out of me, it's because it's still in me. So let's go connect to love. It's just a part of my heart that's not connected to love. Oh, I forgive myself again. And I would just have so much forgiveness and grace for myself. I do this on a daily basis, by the way, because mm. I'm a recovering judgmental fool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the last thing I do when I lay my head on my pillow. I go, Krista, I just forgive you for all the times you blew it as a mom today. I just give that to you. <laughs> I give mm. you so much grace for your process of unfolding, of learning how to walk in this love, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. And then I have so much more in, in the morning. Hey guys, we're going to get back to my conversation with Krista in just a second, but I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors, and that is Pine Cove Camps. Maybe you've heard of Pine Cove's awesome youth camps for second through 12th graders in the summer, but guys, did you know that they also have family camps? They do. There are already three family camps in Texas, which us Ivies have been to one several summers, and next summer, Pine Cove is opening another family camp in South Carolina. Family camp is a super cool vacation. It is full of excellent Jesus-loving, intentional college students who cannot wait to meet you and serve your family during the week. And y'all, let me tell you, they serve you. You mamas, listen, you will not wash one dish or lift one finger. They will take care of your babies and they will feed you dinner, all kinds of stuff. There's a different speaker each week for the adults, so the parents get to sit in and listen while your kids get their own program with all of the fun activities and Bible studies they love. Go down zip lines and water slides with your kids during the free time, and then at night, dress up with your whole family for hilarious theme nights. This is the perfect all-inclusive family vacation and you'll love it. Guys, go to pinecove.com slash family camp for more information. And I will have that over at my webpage if you can't remember that. pinecove.com slash family camp. Okay, guys, back to my conversation with Krista. One song that you've written, Krista, is one that we probably all know. One Thing Remains. And I think yeah. about, you wrote this, I'm going to guess early 2012, 11, 10? I think it was 2010. Okay, 2010. Yeah. Um, and then five years later, you walked through this. And some of the yeah. lyrics, did, was there any, were there any moments in these um, days, weeks, months, years after you walked through this that your own words have come back to ring true in your ears? Oh, absolutely. The second she died, um, I remember... Um, closing my eyes and I'd written, uh, the way that we'd written one thing remains, Brian Johnson, he had written the chorus kind of in worship spontaneously years before. And then when I came along, I was like, let's write around that. And Jeremy Riddle had, mm-hmm. um, written kind of a, a verse melody around it. So we were just kind of piecing together and I was kind of responsible for the second verse lyric and for the bridge. And so, um, you know, it was biblically correct. And I, there was nothing wrong with it, but I hadn't really lived it. Mm. And so when she died and I handed off her body, I was like, you know what? I got to make a sound right now that I've never made before. My heart has to, I have to stay connected. And I closed my eyes and I just said in death, in life, I'm confident for the first time. Mm. I'm confident and covered. 
by the power of your great love for the first time. Mm. It wasn't a song. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't something I was singing to hopefully one day believe. It was like, no, this is so real. Your love really is everything. It's breath. And when I'm offended at you and angry at you or fake with you or disconnected from you, I cut myself off from the source. Mm -hmm. And I will not do that because I've done that before and it's landed me in rehab Mm -hmm. and it's landed me with a broken marriage and I will not do that this time. And it's what absolutely saved me. Mm. Well, I have tears over here because I love that song so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can only imagine singing it in those moments. I mean, I just cannot even, I can't imagine what it could feel like. I can only imagine what you felt like. Um, so I'm so thankful too that 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 God gave you that song so many years ago and then brought it right back to you in that moment. Yeah. Um, what a gracious God of Him to do that for you. Um, can we talk a little bit about? Um, you've mentioned it a, a couple of times about previously things that you've run to in the past because yeah, I think that as women we're not talking about this too much because we might be a little embarrassed of what these things might be for us. Right. Um, but you have seen, you've seen both things. You have seen running to things that you think will sustain you and then they don't. Right. And you yeah. have experienced um, running to the, the source that is sustaining you um, yeah. now. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, what that looked like previously to you? Because I think that, women need to hear other women say, this is what I've done. This is what I've run yeah. to. And this is where it left me. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I have these stories all the time. I used, you know, running to, to relationships and sex and alcohol. These yeah. things defined me in the past and yeah. don't define me now. But can you, can, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, my, my first book, God Loves Ugly, I really go deeply into my addiction to food, which is, I, I think is the Christian drug. Uh. (laughs) It's like, let's, you know, let's put away our drugs and alcohol unless they're in secret and then let's medicate through potlucks. Mm. Um, it's acceptable. So, um, that was food was always my number one thing. Well, no, I would say masturbation. Sorry. I'm just going to go for it. I just talk about everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'd been, my first memory of life outside of the home was sexual. So Mm. your body is meant to be sexual. And I didn't, I I had no, you know, it was just so shameful. The, the only thing that could turn me on was perversion or if it was wrong or violation. And so my head, for decades, the only thing that could turn me on was the fantasy of, of, you know, violation or perversion or when it was wrong or bad, which I think played a lot into my, oh, now you're married. It's good. It's okay. And my body's shutting down. I, do I didn't right. know how to do that. Yeah. So, um, it was definitely that addiction to masturbation, which when I think back on it and i really meditated on it, pondered it with Holy Spirit. It's amazing because, you know, all you want to do is feel good in the moment. And an orgasm, if orgasm, if the word orgasm triggers you, go take it up with Jesus because he created it. And we, (laughs) we, you know, we've got to start talking about stuff like this in the church because it's become so taboo or shameful or don't talk about that unless you're married. Well, no, we need to talk about this for everybody because sex is everywhere. And it was so shameful for me. So for me, it was always, 
life is so painful with this amount of trauma lodged in my heart. Mm. And so I need an escape right now. And what's, what's a way to immediately feel good, have an orgasm. And for one second, for that split second, you're like, I'm alive. I'm present. I feel good. And Oh God, I feel terrible, you Mm. know? And it's the same thing with binging. It's like, Life is so out of control. I can't control. Usually with addictions, with any sort of compulsion, it's that you cannot control your inner world. And so you want to control your outer world for just a minute because it's euphoric and you feel powerful. Mm. And so for for the food addiction, it started, I think I, was, I had my first binge when I was in middle school and I ran into a friend's kitchen in the middle of the night after stumbling on late, late light, night porn on HBO. And of course I'd masturbated and felt so gross and ran into the kitchen and just binge, binge, binge. And it felt so good for mm. just a second and then felt so bad. So I really think a lot of times the things that we think are so awful, there are attempts to just have a moment of clarity where we're supposed to feel how we're destined to feel, inheritance feels, which is life and life abundantly. It's a false sense and it's, you know, it's this kind of perversion of it, but it's just our attempt to be present in the moment. And so for years, those were the two main things that I ran to, um, perversion, masturbation, addiction of that, mm-hmm. and then food. And it cycled back and forth. And then, you know, I got into high school and college, drugs, alcohol, boys, you name it. Because the trauma in our hearts that goes unhealed, it has to be numbed. We have to. You might not have, you know, gone through sexual abuse or something like that, but you might struggle with shopping or you're on your smartphone too much. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, we have so many vices in this day and age to where the, the, the moment's so painful and we've got to get out of it. So we get out of it by escaping, escaping, escaping this present moment. But the thing I always say, you know, God lives outside of time and space. And the way that he chooses to connect with us is in the present moment. So when you are trying to escape the present moment, you miss the presence. I try to search for God over and out, like, oh, I want to find you. I want to find. No, he's in me. I'm a walking temple. But the pain in my heart was so great. I avoided my heart at all costs. Mm. You know, I avoided the place that he actually lived. So I missed him constantly. Where are you? I can't find you. I can't feel you. And then I wanted, I knew I was destined to be alive and to stay present. So I would you know, do all these things to have, Mm. to feel good in the moment. So that took the understanding of that took so much shame off of me over the years, because I think in Christianity, a lot of times we do weed whacker Christianity where we're like, okay, I'm going to cut off my anger. Well, you can't, you know, there's a root behind that anger and it's always deep sadness. So until you actually face your problem and accept it, I just, I just told my nanny yesterday, she's going through some medical stuff. And I said, I'm going to tell you something very counterculture to what Christian culture tells you to do. You know, she got a diagnosis from the doctor. It wasn't good. And, and usually we're like, have faith. Just don't listen to it. Just declare the word. Just keep going. Just deny it. But you denying what is true does not make the truth any less. It, d- it d- doesn't make it go away. Whatever mm-hmm. you resist will persist. So I told her, I said, I want you to face that diagnosis and I want, I want you to accept it. This is what is, okay? This is what is actually true. What was true in my life was I was addicted. I was depressed. I was fearful. 
you know, my nails were always bitten off because the trauma was so deep and I needed to accept what was and go, this is loved. This is loved. This part is God is waiting for me in the middle of the diagnosis. I said, I want you to turn to that diagnosis and face it and go, I accept this is what is true, but there's a greater truth and it's living on the inside of that diagnosis. Mm. And you will never find the truth unless you face what's true and go, okay, all right, what do we do, Jesus? Because we're always like, no, I'm just in denial. He's not giving me a spirit of fear. Well, no, your spirit's not in fear, but your soul your soul heart that's gotten a diagnosis or been beaten to a pulp by life. Yeah. You got a lot of fear in there. So you got to run towards it and go, all right, Jesus, where are you in the middle of this? I'm not running from this with fake faith. That word I love, I love obedience. So obedience in the Hebrew is a word called Shema. And I always thought, well, obedience is doing the right thing. No obedience to God means to hear or to listen towards. So that changes everything. I told her yesterday, I said, don't you dare try to have fake faith that you don't have. Obedience is to hear and faith comes from hearing. So your obedience is going, all right, I'm going to connect to the source and I'm going to find out what you say about my life, about this circumstance, about my daughter's death, about whatever. Mm -hmm. And as I hear you explode faith in me, I can't muster up faith. You explode faith in me as I stay connected, as I shema, as I am obedient, as I'm connected to the source. And then all of a sudden, ah, okay, I believe Mm. you told me. So it's just a different spin on it. So what did that look like practically for you all those years ago? Well, here's a, here's a great example of that. Uh, My first pregnancy with Moses went into the ultrasound and he was measuring at Uh, I was 36 weeks. His brain was measuring at 32 weeks and his body was measuring at 29. So there was something really severely wrong with my umbilical cord or nutrients weren't getting to him. And, and so we went out, I remember getting out in the car, it was raining. I was like, okay, Holy spirit. I, I, I have heard the diagnosis. That is what is true. And I'm not going to deny it. That is what is true in the natural world, but I need to know the truth. What do you say about my son? And I think sometimes we get the prayer chains going, we move into manic action, and a lot of our prayers are actually really begun in fear and anxiety. Like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's let's go. Well, we haven't stopped to hear. We haven't stopped to find out what heaven's perspective is on this situation. So I went, okay, what do you say about my son? And I just sat and I waited. And I'm telling you, the car shook. And I heard, it was the first time I've ever heard like the kind of almost audible voice of God. And I heard, he is fine, period. And, it, and everything shook in me. I went, oh my gosh. Oh my and gracious. faith <laughs> exploded in me. Yeah, because I had heard heaven's verdict over my son. And so I looked at my husband. I said, he's fine. I know it. I just heard from God. He, my son is fine. And Luke was like, I feel it too. So two days, the midwife was like, we need to come back in. They had all these you know, scary diagnoses. We've got to get another ultrasound. So we go back in and the lady's waving the little wand over my belly and she's looking really confused. She's like, okay, I don't know what's happened between Tuesday and today, but this baby is measuring at 36 weeks all around and he is fine. Mm. And she used the exact same words that he God had used fine. over my son. Yeah. And th- I mean, I had just waited and supernaturally my son had grown 
you know, seven weeks <laughs> in two days because heaven has a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And so when we Shema, when we hear, when we stay connected to the source, as opposed to moving into that fake faith that we think we're supposed to have, I've got to have faith. You can't. You can't. Faith is God's responsibility. He explodes it in us because it comes from hearing. So my responsibility isn't to have faith. My responsibility is to hear. Mm. Well, I hope that any woman that's listening is dealing with whatever it might be. Um, I love that you listed out like the big, bad and ugly things that people think are just like the worst things ever. And then all the things that people think nothing about, but actually have so much control over their lives. Yes. <laughs> Food, social media, <laughs> smartphones, shopping, Netflix. I mean, yes. Yes. We're all sitting in our cars or working out or whatever we're doing. And we're like, oh gosh, did she really have to say that? You know, oh, because no, I'm so sorry. That's me. <laughs> Um, and I, I totally understand everything about that running to whatever it is. And I've had seasons where that looks different in my life and you Mm -hmm. described it so perfectly. You feel low, 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 you participate in whatever the action might be and you feel good for a moment. And then immediately you feel low again. Yeah. Because it's disconnected. I'll share my little, and I'm, I was about to call it silly, but it's not because it's real. Um, just happened this week. I was having a really, really the, just like frustrating day with the kids. Cause it's summer and Krista, yeah. it's summer. Like <laughs> I feel like that's been just like my total, I'm a broken record this summer. Like I did not do very well planning and I've been working a lot and the kids are here. And so I feel like oh, I'm God. juggling good mom versus good work, you know? So yep. anyhow, it'd been a day where I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm frustrated. I can't do it all. I'm, I cannot carry all of these responsibilities. Um, I need cheese. And it seems silly, but it my is it is my thing. And, and I'm trying right now to not eat a lot of dairy. And so for me, it wasn't even like, it's like I had made a commitment to myself. I'm trying to like just eat a lot of protein and veggies and water. And here's this right. block of cheese in the fridge that somebody had bought, not me. Yep, yep. And I literally walked over to Aaron's office and I was like, he probably thought I was such a dork. I'm like, I'm about to eat cheese. <laughs> he was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I walk the like 50 yards back to the house open up the fridge and eat cheese off of a block of cheese. Yeah, I don't get did. a, I don't get a knife. I use my <laughs> teeth. <laughs> and then, I mean, it is funny and we can laugh, but it's so true because yeah. at the end I did not feel any more relieved of the frustration or the, the pressure or no. any of the stuff. It was all still there waiting for me after. I and you feel worse because yes. then you have the shame of doing what you didn't want to do. Now you yes. feel good for a second. Cause you're like, this tastes so oh, good. It's the oh best God, cheese ever. I feel terrible. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and it's moments like that for me that I'm just like, man, I really, really um, want to just run to Jesus. That love that you're talking about, the source of love. I want to run to Jesus um, and not feta cheese. Oh, God. And I like the stinky cheese. (laughs) I have um, some more questions for you. A little bit less serious, if we could go there. Um, You have toured as a musician since you said 2000. Yeah. Do you have a crazy story from the road that you could share with us? Um, yeah, I've got without incriminating anybody. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can um, change the names. <laughs> well, not really, but it, it's not too bad. Um, the funniest, the funniest was when I was with the Jonas Brothers, and we were on their world tour in two thousand nine, and it was at the peak of when they were like super hot. So yeah. everywhere we went. Say again. Were you married? 
I was married. Okay, okay. It was rough. It was hard. It was like, pack your bags for nine months. You're not coming home. So Luke made a lot of trips to foreign countries to oh. see me. Um, but we were on this South American tour and I think we were in, it was either Chile or I don't think it was Panama. I don't know. This is, that sounds terrible. One of those, one of the South American countries, right. maybe Brazil. <laughs> and I remember the the girls were downstairs. It was this huge hotel and they chanted all night long for the Jonas brothers. So then, you know, we were kind of quarantined to the hotel. And, um, I remember I opened up my hotel room one day and there was this probably 12 year old, 13 year old girl. And she bursts into my hotel room and she's screaming and crying, going, Nick, Nick, where are you? Nick, oh my God. Nick. And she's searching like in my, you know, this is not the penthouse. I'm right. in the band. <laughs> and she's searching in my shower and under my beds. And I'm like, get out. I do not harbor Nick in my like sixth floor hotel room. Right. He is much higher than this. <laughs> and so I had to kind of kick her out and call security. And that was my great. That's probably that the craziest thing that happened to me. That is crazy. <laughs> Women will do crazy things. They're uh, insane. For yes. bands. It's really, really crazy. It was pretty, it was, it was very entertaining. I'll oh just my say gosh. that. Very entertaining. Well, <laughs> I think that's amazing. Okay. So I always um, like to end the show with asking my guests what they're reading. And so are you reading anything these days? Are you a reader? I like to know. Uh, yes. I'm right now I'm reading um, a book called the knowledge of the heart and it's by Phil Mason and he's an Australian author. And I love everything I read is pretty much about uh, heart knowledge mm -hmm. and inner healing. And then I'm also reading a book that is, it's called the body keeps the score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And it's the brain, mind, and body in the healing of trauma. So, uh, because all I do is kind of trauma work and inner healing. And, you know, we carry around so much trauma from the past and it circulates energetically through our body and it causes diseases and it causes dysfunction and, you know, it changes our perception. So, uh, that's not a Christian book, but I love the science because it is, it's so scientific to where you go, Oh yeah, that's why Jesus says to forgive. Because if you don't literally the trauma of your bitterness will circulate through your body and poison you that is scientifically. So crazy. Yeah. For the rest What's the of your name life. of the book again? It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Okay. And he worked a lot with veterans who were struggling with PTSD and then, you know, really highly traumatized individuals. He's like, there's a pattern here. All these mm. crazy people have all been like either raped as children or yeah. molested or – and this is crazy. I'll just read the back of the book. Okay. One in four grew up with al alcoholics. One in five – Americans has been molested. One in three couples have engaged in physical violence. What? Oh my gosh. I know. I mean, these statistics are insane. And we've got to be equipped as the body of Christ not to just go, well, just believe in Jesus. Well, I couldn't. I, my heart was too broken. I needed to have an encounter with him that overrode the trauma that had circulated in my body and actually rewritten my brain code and my mm. brain scans. So this book looks amazing too. I'm looking at it on Amazon because, um, as a mom to children through adoption, 
um, oh, yeah. trauma. Yes, has, it talks about attachment. Yes, uh-huh. and trauma has been um, a part of their story, and it's not yes. their fault. It just happened. No. Um, so I am really interested in this a lot. Yes, and the brain is neuroplastic, so it can be changed through connection, eye contact, love. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the mother's brain imprints on the child in the first six months. So if they were in traumatic circumstances, yep. you know, you can override that. That's why I do a lot of meditation because if if my mother's brain imprinted onto me, well, what happens when I go look in the eyes of Jesus every day? Mm-hmm. What does that imprint onto me? Mm-hmm. The mind of Christ. So anyway, that's okay. a, that's a fascinating read. Okay. Well, I'm going to add it to my read list for sure. Um, okay. Krista, also, what are three things you're loving? Like things that you want to text your girlfriends right now and tell them about them? Um, loving. Um, I love ASOS uh, shopping online. ASOS. Because oh, what's ASOS times, mean? Um, it's, it's a company. It's called oh. ASOS. And they have great maternity clothes, okay. which I need right now. <laughs> and who has time to shop? Oh, no, so, not me. No. So I do all my shopping when my kids are in bed and I do it online and I love ASOS because, uh, it's free shipping both ways. So I'll order two sizes and then Send I'll just back. back the ones that don't work. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. And then I love, um, my new favorite coffee shop in East Nashville, which is called dose. Okay. And so if you're in East Nashville or yeah, okay. th- that's really good. And then I love, Oh, I'm I'm always an essential oil junkie, and I'm a young living girl because mm-hmm. I, we just use essential oils all the time, and I love my forgiveness and acceptance essential oils every morning that I smell and I put on my heart, and I just accept and forgive myself for the day and release so much of that into me, and so those are my three favorite things right now. That's awesome! I just bought myself a little diffuser. Diffu- how do you oh, say yeah. that? Diffuser. Diffuser. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we had it in the kitchen, but we both, Aaron and I both felt like it wasn't big enough. It wasn't doing enough. So I put it right next to my bed. There you and go. Every night I put lav. That's all I know how to do. Lavender. Yeah. You go I'm right to, to sleep. I'm new to this. So I just put lavender in every night. Oh, uh, yeah. Lavender. Maybe I should get one for all my kids' rooms. Oh, I've got them everywhere. I have them all over the house. And I'm like, I'm a young living, you know, you get into it because you like them. But uh-huh. then I just, I open my mouth and then people signed up below me. So I make like... I make money every month on it and then it pays for all my oils and then you get free orders. So I just have ordered tons of diffusers from my points you just or whatever. Everywhere. I got them everywhere. I got them everywhere. We, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, well, I wonder what inner child oil feels like. <laughs> Let's just get it. <laughs> Kids, put this on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Put on trauma life. Look oh, at that, dude. I love it. Yeah. Well, Krista, it's been a joy to talk with you. Um, I love uh, the way that you love. I, way the, I love the way that you want women um, to look inside and just see what is there, what is broken, and run to Jesus as the healer. So yeah. thank you for sharing all that. And I am so happy that you said all the big bad words like masturbate. <laughs> Hopefully we broke some shame today. <laughs> there you go. Because you can't get healed as long as you're keeping your shame hidden. So that hopefully is, we broke that. That is so, so true. So true. Can I, I, you know what? I just thought of one more question. I, I need to yeah. ask you this. Um, what is something that you are doing as a mama to help your kids um, walk down a path that hopefully doesn't lead to traumatic events, shame, um, stuff like that. Is that? Yeah. You know, my husband and I, um, we are very, very quick to 
we're all about heart. So we're constantly going, buddy, what's in your heart? How are you feeling? Um, you know, when he throws a fit, it's not, Hey, there's, this is a blanket rule. Stop crying. It's going, well, Hey buddy, what's going on? What's behind that? Mm. And let's get to that. And, and we, we apologize a lot. Um, if I blow it as a mom, I'm quick to get down eye level Mm -hmm. with him and say, buddy, I just blew it. Can I have your forgiveness? Will mm-hmm. you give me that? And he, so he apologizes. He, 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 he's very quick to go. Yeah, I messed up because we do that in the mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And so we model that and he'll be like, I just, you're right. I was just disobedient. I was disrespectful. Will you forgive me, mom? Yes, buddy. So mm-hmm. we just kind of keep everything. Um, I was a first child perfectionist and, and he's got some of those tendencies in him. So we, we make it a point to go, buddy, what'd you fail at this week? Mm. You know, you can only get better if you fail. So how'd you fail? Way to go. We really, um, encourage him in his try as opposed to his succeed. Mm. So, so you're creating this language, um, yeah. that is not going to be new to him when he's 15 and comes no. to you with, um, something that he failed or something like that. I like that. The language, I think that we can do that in all kinds of areas as parents is just create this language of yes. safety and trust within the home. Yeah. And they, they'll model you. So how open are you, you know, don't try to hide your fight from your husband and be like, okay, you know, this is what we're going through. We, we put consequences on us. Cause we're like, if we're going to have bad behavior in front of you, kid, then I lose my computer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because I can't just put that on him and be like, Hey, if you throw a tantrum and, and if you have a bad thing, then you lose your Legos. I'll go, if buddy, buddy, if mommy loses it, it's you, you get to actually take my computer away for the day. So we have, we let him actually be involved in some of it as well to help, you know, help us become better. We're like, mm-hmm. thank you, buddy, for helping us become better. Cause parenting is just as much about learning from your kids or more than it, it is about teaching them. And it is a hard gig. It sure is. It is hard. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the happy hour. I cannot wait to hear about in November, sweet little yes. joy, joining your family and, um, all of that stuff. So it's it's a joy to follow you and see all the amazing things you're doing. So thanks for coming on the happy hour today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie. It's been fun. Awesome. Y'all, I love chatting with Krista. She has such a passion for seeing people fulfill their gifts. And she has such a passion for people feeling whole in their spirituality. Um, everything we chatted about, any links, any books we mentioned, anything that we talked about is going to be up on my webpage, jamieivy.com. Guys, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Facebook. Share with me something you love from this episode. Today's show is edited by Logan Garza, and the music is from Jason Pope. Next week, my guest is Deidre Riggs, and I love talking with her. Deidre and I had never met before, but I follow her online and am so impressed with everything she's doing. But y'all, we talk a lot about what it's like when your kids leave the house. Some of you are in that stage and some of you are thinking that will never happen to me because you're, you're just, you're changing diapers all day. It's all you can think of. She had such great words of wisdom for us mamas who are in the thick of things before our kids leave the house. And man, if you're listening and you are a mom whose kids have left the nest, you're going to love this interview as well. Guys, enjoy your week. Have a happy hour with a friend and share the show with a girlfriend. I will see you guys next week for my conversation with Deidre.